guys are in for a wonderful treat today. I'm going to introduce this beautiful woman that is standing next to me. If you are a Northwester, you know who this is. But for those of you all around the world that are watching, I'd like to introduce Kim Eddy. She is an amazing young woman. She's going to be helping me teach today. We will not be keeping the distancing rule this morning because we need to be close. But um, let me introduce her so, and then she'll have a seat and come up in a few moments. But Miss Kim is the small group director here at Northwest Church. She heads up all the small groups. So if you're in a small group, this is the woman that gives you all the information that you need. She also leads a group herself. She's an amazing leader. She is also the brand ambassador for The Lovely Project. And she goes around to corporations and events and she represents Lovely in a most excellent way. She also does a Lovely group. So this is one amazing woman. And she is a millennial. So she is going to be helping me teach this morning. So Kim, welcome. Thank you. I invite you to be seated and she will come up in a few moments and tell you more about herself. You are going to love what she has to say. This sermon, this this talk this morning actually goes along with what Pastor David and Pastor Aslan shared last week. It's about, this whole month is about our church finding its purpose, that we are purpose to serve the generations. And that's how we got started 25 plus years ago. So let's, let's look at that a little bit more deeply this morning. I was shocked this week to read a, a statistic that said that uh, among millennials, and we're going to be talking about millennials this morning, they have now officially overtaken my generation, which is the boomers. I'm on the very bottom end of the boomers, the young end of the boomers. So thank you very much. But the millennials have officially taken over my generation as the largest living generation. And so kudos to them. It's amazing. And so I was shocked to read a statistic that said of the millennials that they polled, this this large sampling that they took, only 13% of this group of that age bracket known as millennials considered themselves to be spiritual in any way. That's, that's shocking, but it's more shocking for Christians because we have been given a mandate by Jesus to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, and to make disciples. And so if we have an entire generation that is not really interested in spiritual things, is not interested in necessarily serving God, the God of the Bible or Christianity, we've, we've got a challenge because at this church, we are determined that we will reach the next generation and the generation after that. And most of you know about the excellent children's uh, nursery department that we have here, Pastor and Grace Ryan, uh, Pastor Grace and Ryan, and it's excellent. But we are also concerned about the millennials, those that are the young adults, those that are the buying, purchasing, and making decisions about life. So I was having my devotions this week, and a scripture really spoke to me, and I'm going to take the time to read it before Kim comes up, because it really spoke to me about how, as a church, we can continue to reach these next generations that are coming, and how we can be about presenting the gospel in a way that makes sense to them, that answers questions for them. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about a certain incident that took place here. This is, of course, Jesus has, has gone to heaven now, and he's, he's um, 
commissioned the disciples to go into all the world to make disciples. And so they start going to different cities, different regions, and they're talking about Jesus who died on the cross and is now alive again. And so they're discovering that people that are outside the Jewish faith, I'll call them outsiders for the purposes of today. Those that are outside, the outsiders were coming to the faith. And if you were not of the Jewish faith, you were considered a Gentile. And so the disciples and the apostles are are finding out that Gentiles are coming to, to the knowledge of Jesus and accepting Jesus as their savior. And this caused a problem. So it says, some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this really goes along with the foundation that Pastor David and Aslan laid last week when they were talking about things that are disputable matters. And But, but some men are coming and saying, look, that these Gentiles, these people that are outside the Jewish faith, they, they can't just come to Jesus. They've got to follow the rules that we had to follow and circumcision being one of the number one of those. So unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in a serious argument and debate, and I would love to have been a fly on that wall to hear the apostle Paul and Barnabas debating ferociously about what it means for Gentiles to come to the face. I just, I just think that would have been amazing. And some others were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem to talk about this very issue. So they traveled, they went to, they went to Jerusalem and they decided to talk with James and all the other elders, the apostles and the church. And they say, look, you know, We've been, we've been talking about Jesus and we notice that Gentiles, outsiders are coming to the faith. And not only that, the Holy Spirit is falling on them. He is filling them like he did with us. And we think that these people should be included. Peter stands up and we all know Peter. He gets involved and he's like, look, you know, I was sent to the Gentiles. And what I'm finding is that the Holy Spirit is falling on them. He is filling them up. Signs and wonders are happening. And, and, And so can we deny that the Gentiles we brought into the faith if the Holy Spirit is given to them? So Peter says he made, the Holy Spirit made no distinction between us and them cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. I love that. So James, who was the head of the church, now James, this is the James that is the half-brother of Jesus. And he was the head of the church in Jerusalem. And so he got the disciples together and they, and he decided to make a decision. And he says this, and this is what shocked me. This is what made me think a different way about millennials. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. I love this because he, they walked with Jesus and they watched how Jesus talked with outsiders, people that were outside the faith. They listened to Jesus tell stories about um, the lost sheep and finding the lost coin 
and the son that strayed away. And they knew that, that Jesus and the father were the happiest, the most joyful when those that were outside the faith, that were struggling, that were searching, would come to God. And I love that. He's saying we should not make it difficult for Gentiles to come to the faith. So I was thinking about this, this great generation, this vast, this large generation. So I have another way of, of adjusting that scripture. And here it goes. It is my judgment, therefore, that Northwest Church should not make it difficult for millennials who are searching for God. Um, there, if you take any kind of religious survey nowadays, um, they'll have a, a, a slot for Pentecostals or Protestants and Catholics. And then there'll be a little box that you can check that says nuns, which means I have no religious affiliation at all. And there has been a rise of that box being ticked of, of young people that say, you know what, I, I don't know if there's a God, but I, I have no affiliation with any kind of organized religion. And as a church that is intent and wanting to reach every generation, this has to be our concern. And we have to figure out how can we make it not a, a stumbling block or an obstacle for millennials to come to God. Each, and Miss Kim is going to be joining me in just a moment, but each generation has its own view of the world. And that view of the world comes from events that happened during their childhood. And this, this shared history is what makes them a generation. And one of the most outstanding things about the millennials is their shared experience is of the internet and social media. That is one of the biggest contributors to how millennials think, what they believe, how they feel about themselves, how they feel about what family is, and, and, and um, what makes them look at the world differently than I look at the world and my generation looks at the world. So they view life through the lens of social media. And this generation is so amazing to me. I, I, I marvel that God has chosen this generation to bring revival to America because I truly believe that will happen. But this generation is erasing the line between being online and being offline. For Gen Xers, for, for example, for my children, there, there was a distinction between when they were on the internet and when they were off doing things. That distinction is being erased by a generation of people. And I think it's exciting, it's challenging for us as a church, but I know that God has called us to do this. And so I'm gonna let Miss Kim share as our resident millennial and welcome. So as Dr. C said, experiences are what help us differentiate between generation and generation. And my purpose here and why I'm here today isn't to necessarily badmouth millennials. It's not to badmouth any other generation, but to bridge the gap. My purpose here is to represent the 
the generation that the baton is being passed along to. So what I'm, the, when I'm speaking, when I'm, when I'm moving forward, I just hope that you guys all hear everything that I'm saying from that perspective. So one thing that uh, I realize as I've been processing through what it means to be a millennial and as I've been talking through things with Dr. C is that we spend, and we, by we, I mean my generation as a millennial, we have spent majority of our, our youth and majority of our important and substantial years in a complex and somewhat uncertain world. I did kind of some statistics on, and I, and, I, and I looked back on some of the experiences that I as a millennial, as well as some of my millennial counterparts have gone through, and it is astounding the, 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 just the experiences that have happened during this time. We have 9-11. We have five mass shootings, four of which were inside schools. We have the pandemic that we're in right now. We have Hurricane Katrina. It, the list goes on. And again, as I said before, experiences are what shape a generation, are what bind and bound a generation together. And for us, I realized that as millennials, we have decided and we have come to terms that the best way for us to approach and effectively move throughout life is to adapt. So adapting is essential for us to proceed forward. Someone I was talking to someone who isn't within my generation. And one thing that they said is that our generation is a generation of tolerance. And that makes perfect sense. As I said before, the amount of crazy things that have taken place throughout our childhood, the things that have shaped us into who we are right now, it makes perfect sense that tolerance and peace are exactly what we want and exactly what we strive for. Last week, Aslan said that, uh, she said, you do you. And when she said that, I was like, you're right. And it, it spoke to my soul. It spoke to my heart. And that's because that's another part of my generation. We are the you do you generation, except I'm going to extend that out just a little bit. You do you as long as you doing you doesn't affect me doing me or her doing her. That it, it is, it is so important that to- we are tolerant, that we are, that we are taking care to not overly offend one person or under offend another. Another thing that someone said that I was, I spent a lot of time processing this week, you guys. I'm a processor, bless me. And sometimes it gets me into too much trouble. But I was processing something that someone said, and they told me that the millennial generation is a generation that is a feeling generation. We feel so much, so much so that sometimes our feelings affect our moral judgments, that we, we, we go off of emotion and preference instead of fact and, and principles. And I would agree with that. We're a passionate, a passionate generation. Because of everything that's happened, we're passionate about seeing change. We're passionate about things progressing. And sometimes our passion doesn't come out in the best way possible, but we are passionate. And as Pastor Aslan said last week, I wrote it down so I I would make sure I said it correctly. 
different backgrounds and different generations and different situations that come up create different lenses. As, and, and that lens affects the way that we view the world. It affects the way that we approach the world. And as I said before, that explains why tolerance is so important to, to the millennial generation, to, to me. For millennials, there is a filter that has been based and has and a, and a very strong filter that is in place when viewing religious issues. In particular for Christianity, Christianity is viewed as being judgmental. There's that tug and pull with how can there be only one way? So I've been, I've been thinking about that because that's, that's I, I believe that as a Christian, I believe that there is one way. But I've been, I've been kind of processing through why that might be. And it took me looking back on the generations that came before us to kind of come to this conclusion. Because we are a generation that loves to adapt, because we're a generation that, that believes that adapting is the way to move forward, we're also a generation that sometimes looks at the past and sees the issues of the past and thinks that they, we thought that a tolerance is the way that we can adapt to move forward. This is a way that we will resolve the issues that the generations before us did not address or could not address in the way that they should have. So what does that mean moving forward? What does that mean for Christianity? What does that mean for our church? Because as, we, as Aslan said last week, as I agree, it is so, our lens, our background, what we grew up in has a huge and unbelievable effect on the way that we approach life. But I also think as Christians, the way that we present ourselves has a huge view on how millennials and other people view Christianity and view God. So I believe that there are two ways that Christians make it difficult for people to turn to God. And I'm gonna to touch base on one and the Dr. C will hop in here and, and finish us out with the second one. But the first way that I believe that we as Christians make it difficult for millennials and people to turn to God is by being a hypocrite. Even though we are in a generation and my generation is one of technology, we're one of a face tune and, and filters. I'm like, put seven filters on my face, seven filters on my thighs. Like, give me all that I can to help me out. Even though that is my generation, we value authenticity. We value what is real. We value vulnerability in relationships. And I know this to be true because we, all of us is, have done this. We see that one, that one superstar on, or whomever, <laughs> superstar, that one person on Instagram who's like barefaced or like, take off my makeup Tuesday. And is like, hair is messed up. I don't, Wednesday. And we're like, go girl, queen. Yes, let's speak, preach. And we're, and we're all on board for that. Because we like to see that someone isn't perfect. And, and we're gonna, I'm just going to be honest with you here because, you know, I'm going to keep it real. I'm a millennial, as I said before. I like it. We, as millennials, we see that the divorce rate is the same. For Christians, the same as it is for people who aren't Christians. We see... As millennials, we're seeing Christians who are worried about life, who are anxious about life. 
We see Christians who are struggling with addiction, struggling with abuse and substance abuse. As millennials, as a person, (laughs) we don't want anyone to pretend to be what they're not. Pretend that everything is perfect. Everything is in line. Everything is put together. We just want to see Christians living life for Christ in a real way. Philippians 4.9 says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. One thing that our church stands for, and one of our mottos is we are a church for generations. And I wholeheartedly believe that that motto was an action before it became, before the words. It was in place. It was set into stone. Generations upon generations. The reason why I'm here as a millennial speaking in front of you, the reason why this is something that I feel like I want to bridge this gap is because I saw the generations that came before me and the generations that came before them speaking and, and saying things that they were living out in their life. Northwest is a church for generations because my pastors, the people that I look up to, are doing the exact same things that they are telling me are good, are right, are biblical. My leaders, I get to see them at their highs. I get to see them at their lows. I get to see them and their in-betweens. And at the end of the day, they're always facing toward Christ. That is the reason why we're a church for generation. That's the reason why that model is so important and it's not just words. Because what they ask us to do, they're doing themselves. So good. And I'm going to switch back over for Dr. C. Mm. She's a preacher. I don't know if she knows it or not, but she's a preacher. She has a gift. And I'm going to release her in just a few moments to pray prophetically over this generation of millennials. Because we at Northwest desire this generation to come to the knowledge of Jesus. That saving knowledge. The second way, the last thing that we're going to bring up is, and it's not just millennials, anybody. When Christians don't display love, when they don't sacrifice anything in their lives, this is a huge turnoff for people. When they see people, uh, someone that says, I have the Godhead living inside me. I have the Holy Spirit inside me, but yet I can't sacrifice for another person. I can't love any better than the person who's my neighbor. This is, this is like, like Kim said, this is hypocrisy. Um, one of the things, several things that we do here at Northwest, we do because of this very reason. We want to display love in our community. And we are so excited that the Go Big Fund has been such a success that you guys are on board, that we are moving to Apopka, and we have designed the new building that we're, we're moving to with millennials in mind, with Generation Z in mind, with Children's Church in mind. We're not 
trying to make my generation comfortable. We are trying to facilitate a way that the gospel can be heard without all the obstacles like they said in the New Testament. How can we, how can we remove obstacles so that people can come to Christ? How can we remove obstacles for millennials to come to Christ? They have questions. They have real issues, real hurts with, with Christianity, with, with people in my generation and with so many things. But as a church, we are determined to try to remove those obstacles to bring clarity to situations that they don't understand. And that's what motivates us. That's what gets us up in the morning. That's why we had the Go Big campaign. That's why we asked you to give. That's why we're giving ourselves because we care about the generations that are coming. Because God told us to care. He said, go into the world. That means every generation and make disciples. That's important to us. That's why we're excited. That's why Pastor Peter is running around like a madman in a spacesuit because we are excited to fulfill the Great Commission. And we know that millennials play a huge part in this Great Commission for our church. I love um, G.K. Chesterton. He was a great Catholic. But he said, things must be loved first and improved afterwards. Uh, Millennials, like every other person on the planet, need to know that we love them first and foremost. And then when we have permission into their life, to speak into their life, to model, to do as, uh, as we're doing ourselves, that's when we can make a difference. And at Northwest... And this community, I already mentioned that, that Kim is a big part of the Lovely Project. We do that because we care about love and service. We care about these girls. And that's why Kim, this isn't her day job. All those things that I mentioned that she does, she still has a day job. That's how amazing this millennial is. That's why I'm so proud to share this stage with her. So the Lovely Project is all about reaching girls in this community. The new facility that we're building, that you are a part of, it will house huge events for the Lovely Project. Hundreds and hundreds of girls will come to understand that we love them and care about them, opening the door for the gospel to be preached because you have given to go big and we'll continue to give these next two years. It's exciting. Uh, We're also connected with an organization called IJM. We do this. We are concerned about girls and boys that are sex trafficked because we care about people. And we want to show millennials. We want to show Generation Z. We want to show our children that we aren't just talking about it, but we're being about it. Northwest is a church that emphasizes the good news we share, not the rules that we make. And I bring it back to that, the, the people in Jerusalem, the apostles, the disciples, the church. How can we, how can we make it so that people can come to Christ. We don't want to put weights on them. And if you want to go home and read uh, that whole chapter, um, James came up with four things that the church should do. And the four things that he listed are so that the Jewish believers could welcome the Gentile believers like they were talking about last week. How can we not be offensive? Um, Kim will join me now, but honestly, the gospel, James's whole point was that the gospel itself 
makes people stumble. The fact that we are saying that God sent a son to die for our sins, for my sins, for Kim's sins, that is offensive enough. And so the apostle James was saying, look, we don't want our lifestyle to be a stumbling block for people to come to Christ. And that's what we're saying at Northwest. That's what we're saying for this generation. We don't want to be a stumbling block because we've always done it this way and we're going to continue to do this way. No, we believe in removing those obstacles, removing those stumbling blocks so that millennials can hear the gospel of Christ. We are all about it. We are committed to going big in Apopka and um, we're committed to going big for the next generation. That's our purpose as a church and we're going to see it through. Miss Kim, will you pray for your generation, the generation that will bring revival to this city? So Psalm 78, 4 says, when we tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, mm. his power and the wonders he has done. Yes. Jesus. God, I Thank you, release God. the millennials to take yes. on the baton of yes. moving and stepping in yes. to this new season of spearheading the church. Yes. Yes. God, I also just speak out over my generation, over my peers. Yes. yes. The, uh, I speak out and I give the release for them to take on all these issues that are welling up, mm. the injustice that they feel, the things that seem to be so unbelievable. God, I'm speaking yes. out and saying that we are going to spearhead and take control back for your kingdom. Yes. Lord, and with all this in mind for the next generation, that we will be a generation that recaptures mm. the hearts yes. of our cities for you. Yes, God. And God, I, I just, I pray for the building of the relationship back between the generations that came before us and our own. Yes, that there won't be any separation, there won't be any angst or anger or pointing fingers saying, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, but Lord, that we'll work together. Because the things that are settled in our hearts is being frustrating, is being angry. We don't want that for those who are coming after us. I don't want that for my sisters, for my brothers who are coming in the generations in the future. So God, I release millennials yes. to start standing yes. up yes. to change their perspective yes. of what it means to adapt, yes. God. To yes. change their perspective of what it means to be tolerant. Yes. And turn our eyes solely on what you say to be good yes. and what you project and what you say to be the vision for our city, for our, yes, for our home, for our future, for our work, Lord, in every you, area, I, we ask that you infiltrate in. Yes. Yes. In your son's name. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And Lord, as, as, as representative of the older generation, Father, we commit our energy, our strength, our wisdom to seeing this generation succeed, to seeing this generation plant their flag in our culture yes, for the kingdom of God. Father, as we link arms with the generations, there is nothing that will stop 
your word going forth, Father. There will be no ending from one generation to the other. Your word will proceed across this city, across this land, through this world. So, Father, thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you that you've opened the floodgates of blessing so that we can take that territory that you've given us in Apopka. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful day of the, of the Go Big Reveal. Lord, we thank you that you have been faithful to us. We thank you, God. Lord, we bless We bless our church. We bless our members. Father, we love them. And we say that we will see you next week. And we hope you had a great Mother's Day last week. We love you. Any final words, Miss Kim? See you guys soon. Bye.